It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, what's up, y'all? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast. As always, I'm Justin Michael, and I was fortunate to catch up with Brady Hole earlier today. We were able to dive into week one. Brady talked about what surprised him most about CSU's letdown performance against Washington State. We talked about some of the reasons why there's still just realistic reason for optimism moving forward. Things weren't necessarily pretty in week one, but obviously they do have playmakers on this roster. We both believe in the coaching staff, uh, but there just seems to be a, a funk that this team has not been able to shake now for multiple coaching staffs. A losing culture, I mean, is really what it is, and I, it's a cycle that needs to break. But I think the only way you do that is winning. So. The stage is still set for this season to potentially be really fun. I mean, it's all right there. You're going to have a very likely ranked CU for the Rocky Mountain Showdown, national TV. I'm pretty sure that game day is going to be there if they beat CU or if they beat Nebraska this weekend. Pardon me. If the Rams are able to go into Boulder and obviously beating them would be epic, but even give them a run for their money, I think you're going to feel a lot better going into that Middle Tennessee State game than you do currently. But we shall see. I mean, it's why you play the games every week, right? At least right now, I'm sticking to my guns that this squad is better than the performance they put forward against Washington State. Hopefully, they make me right. Only time will tell, though. All right, let's get to that interview with Brady Hole. But Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you're going to have. Game Time just makes the entire experience really easy. They've got flash deals and last-minute tickets. It's the easiest way to find and buy tickets for every type of event in your area. They offer images of seat views so you know what you're getting into before you even buy. And they have the lowest price guarantee event cancellation protection, and job loss protection. I mean, nobody is looking out for you the way that Game Time does. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get those exclusive deals. The Game Time guarantee means you're always going to get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time, they're going to credit you 110% of the difference. Grab your tickets without stress using Game Time. Just download the app, create an account, use a code DNVR for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account, redeem that code at DNVR for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I also want to talk to you guys about Fubo TV with 140 plus live channels of sports shows, movies, and news. There is no better way to keep up with everything that you want to watch. 
You can stream live TV from any device. It's the best way to watch the most Colorado sports at the lowest price. And you can start watching immediately with a free trial. There's no contract, no cable, no hassle. Just sign up and start watching. You're going to get 1,000 hours of cloud DNVR included and no extra charge. It's a great way to watch your local teams while traveling. And obviously, you got CU Nebraska coming up, Texas, Alabama, a game I'm really looking forward to, Broncos, Raiders, the Red Zone Network. I mean, it's everything you would want as a sports fan. Watch all your favorite college football and NFL with Fubo. Go to www.fubotv.com slash DNVR to sign up for 15% off your first month of Fubo Pro. All right, joining me on the DMVR Rams podcast, friend of the show, we've got Brady Hole, aka the whole show on Twitter. He's the general manager at 1310 KFKA up in Northern Colorado. They talk all things, including CSU, CU, Northern Colorado, Wyoming. I will get into a bunch of stuff, but just first things first, you know, did you enjoy the, the Chiefs Lions games? Do you have any first take type uh, rants to make? I think that's sports disc discourse now right like the, the lions are now kings and the uh the chiefs uh, are cooked it's crazy man it's just uh, it, all it takes is one week to to tell us all that we know absolutely nothing about about anything and um the chiefs were interesting i mean without travis kelsey the wide receiver situation is pretty i mean i know he's a tight end but guys what is there four or five drop passes one of those yeah it was right bleak detroit lions cornerbacks hands that had to be so frustrating for Mahomes last night. I mean, they should have probably won this game by by uh, maybe 10 or so because a lot of those drop passes were deep first down conversions. So I I was um, I was amazed at just how many drops NFL wide receivers are producing out there. I don't care if they're not like that wasn't the plan or whatever, but that was um, that was interesting. Catch with your hands, youngins. It's amazing how many pros are trying to catch with their bodies in traffic, uh, and then they're amazed when they don't make the play. It was crazy. I You don't see it like that very often, especially with a Patrick Mahomes-type team. You just kept thinking Mahomes was going to work some kind of magic, but at the end of the day, guys have to catch the football that he's throwing. I mean, even that 4th and 25 that they had to end the game, um, it, that looked like a catchable football, too. He throws it across the field. And so, I, I mean, I didn't think anybody would catch it at that point. I was just done. But got to give Dan Campbell and the Lions credit, man. I mean, he, he's he got a vibe about him. He's got a, a way to prom, uh, to motivate his guys. And you, you can't help but kind of root for him. I noticed, Justin, I don't know if you noticed this, but at the end of the game, I'm looking around. And she, there's Chiefs fans, like, standing up and clapping. And I don't think it was an overwhelming applause, but there were some people that were like, okay, if we're going to lose, I guess let's lose to this guy that everybody seems to love. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Detroit is kind of America's team this year in the sense that they were the popular team in the preseason to pick to, you know, have the ascension after essentially being a dumpster fire for, I don't know, my entire life and then some beyond that. But <laughs> I don't know. It's it's just interesting to to see. I do think we'll naturally overreact just like we do in, in college football. I'm guessing the Chiefs are still going to you know, win 12, 13 games, win the division, be an AFC title game at the very least. It's it's just kind of plug and play at this point, but it's good to have real football back. It is, and and the Chiefs are going to be that team. Like today, everybody's going to be like, oh no, are there issues with the Chiefs? Because even if Kelsey's back, that still doesn't fix your other wide receivers dropping the football. But until I see it for a lengthy amount of time with Mahomes, I, I can't. I can't write that team off. They're probably going, I mean, I think the odds favorite to win the 
Super Bowl again. That was before last night's game, but odds are they'll figure it out. I mean, at the end of the day, these are NFL receivers. They're not going to drop wide open passes all season. So I would imagine the Chiefs figure it out. If you catch those passes, if you catch two of them, this is probably a, the Chiefs probably scup, uh, cover and I get my Thursday night pick and I'm I'm 1-0 when everybody's bragging about how great it was, but instead everyone's being mean to me. So that's what happens <laughs> when, you, when you make picks, Justin. You got to Oh, you gotta I know. Lose. And I yeah. lose a lot, so I'm getting used to it. <laughs> One of the things that I've been talking about this week, and obviously the Chiefs are a unique situation with Patrick Mahomes. Like, Not every team can have the confidence that you inherently have when you have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. But one of the things that kind of concerns me about CSU football, going back multiple staffs now, is that it feels like when they get down 7, when they get down 10, something like that, you look down on the sideline and the body language is just bad. It feels like the air goes out of the stadium. I don't know. I, and I kind of get it. Like the, the fans expect it to go wrong at that point. Like everyone on the sideline seems to. They, I don't know how you change that though without starting to win. But that's the thing about like winning teams is winning teams when they go down, they always expect to make a play. Andy Reid probably half expected Mahomes to convert on fourth and 25. Oh, yeah. The rest of us are saying, punt the ball. You got three timeouts in the two minute warning. But I don't know. I just. That's the one thing I would really like to see flip with this team this year because I do think they have talent. Is just to have that mentality that if you go down, if you go 14 like you were at halftime in this Washington State game, you're still in it, especially with a quick strike offense. Yeah, I mean, it's a... And I know this isn't obviously all Jay Norvell because this is his second year with CSU, but overall, it's a losing culture. And... Guys aren't, there's not a lot of guys on the roster that are used to winning, at least winning big time games. Um, they have some, I think they have some special players. I think Tory Horton's a special player. I think Dallin Holker is going to be a special player. Defensively, Jack Howell and Mo. I mean, they have good players, but there is, you're right. There's a culture there that just, they can't seem to shake whether we're going back to, to Bobo, who I think if we average it out, it was probably more of a 500 or a game or two under 500 in his career with CSU. It was, yeah, right around that. that. But I mean, the writing was kind of on the wall, kind of just going with the, the losing culture thing. I mean, the first two games of Bobo's tenure were overtime losses. They lost to Minnesota by three and then CU by three, both in overtime, both very winnable games like against Minnesota. They fumbled the ball away. On their first possession against CU, they miss two field goals in regulation and then get a 27-yarder blocked in OT. And it just kind of set the precedent. And it like has they haven't been able to shake it now for eight, nine years. No, and that I was talking about this yesterday on my show, Justin. Um, since I've actually put a focus in covering CSU, I've been a CSU fan. We've talked about this last time. I, I've rooted for the Rams my whole life. But since I actually started really paying attention covering this team. The McIlwain year, the one year with McIlwain, I know mean, he was there for three years, but there was that one year where you felt like they're going to win most of the time. They just have, they have the stuff. But other than that, even when you, even when Bobo was winning seven games uh, and going to bowl games and stuff, I don't ever remember feeling like CSU is, I'm like that confident in this Rams team where they're going to pull off something. They're going to do it. They're going to go and just, they're going to get a big lead and just, in this game easily, or they're going to come back and do something special. I just, we haven't felt that in so long. That's why I think, I mean, you saw the life go out of canvas stadium by the time after that pick six, it was just like, here we go. And 
I feel bad for these Rams fans, man, because they are they showed up. They're dedicating their time and their money to support this team. And and I do believe in Jay Norvell. I, I do, but I do too. Like, I, point, this, this like, isn't it, trying to be a anti Norvell rant no, or no, act no. like, you know, he is the reason they have a losing culture. It's, it's something that goes back multiple years, multiple staffs, multiple generations of players, but it just seems to seep through year after year. And I, I don't know how you flip it outside of just coming up with a win that maybe surprises them, you know, oh. like a signature type win that sure. the light just flips there. But I do think it's it's a major issue, especially for a team with this much talent on it. It's like the and I know we're going to say the bad word. It's the opposite effect of what we're seeing in Colorado right now. Obviously, primetime comes in. He's a beacon. He's so popular. You're going to attract young players that want to play for him because he's got he's got it. He did it at Jackson State. So that certainly helps. But you're what you just said is you've got to win a game. You're not supposed to. Well, we'll see you was not supposed to beat TCU. They won that game. I think I read some line where all these kids uh, like like Shador and, and Travis Hunter, all their Instagram follows went up by thousands. Players are looking at that today and they're going, I want to go play for the buffs. And so that one win you're not supposed to get suddenly changes everything. So the recruits, at least based on today, are probably dialing up Colorado at this stage. So with CSU, you got to get one of those somehow, some way. If I, I tell you what, CSU pulls off the craziest upset ever and beats CU, which I don't know if it's that crazy. Who knows? Then suddenly they're, I think their fates change a little bit. I think suddenly people are going, okay, well, Jay Norvell, we, maybe they've got something going. But you're right. You, you got to find a way to win a game you're not supposed to, to just break that losing culture. I mean, at this point, I'd just settle for a competitive game, but I do think they have to they've got to come away with a win in these next two road games. I think if you go 0 and 3 into that Utah Tech game, which should be an easy win. I mean, you never say never with this team. I've seen them lose to some FCS programs that were not great over the years, but I think just from a confidence standpoint to to get the ball rolling and this is another metaphor that I kind of use over the years, but it's kind of like going to the gym, you know, and it can be really discouraging especially when you you're putting all this work in and you're not making any progress. You plateau and you plateau and you plateau and you keep trying. And at some point you get to that point where it's like, should I even keep doing this? But you stick with it and then you finally break through. And once you break through that one time, then it's easy to stay committed because you can see it like tangibly. I, I've accomplished this. I'm making the progress. But during those dog days when you're still trying to work towards it and you can't get you know, you can't get to that next goal that you've been desperately trying to reach. It's just, it's hard to keep the the fire going. It's so crazy because, you know, you and I kind of know this, but I don't even think we realize the full scope of how, how much work these student athletes put in. I mean, they're obviously going to class, just, just scheduling shows and interviews with guys. is so difficult because it's like, I got workout, I got film, I've got practice, I've got school, I've got all these different things that I got to do. Oh, and on top of it, now there's NIL stuff that these guys yeah. are doing. So you you work all week leading up to that a game on Saturday, and to keep to see a loss, I I have a lot of respect for these guys because they do keep grinding, they do keep going after it. But you're you're 100 right. It's got to be so frustrating for these guys going forward. How, how do you just break through that cycle? Um, and, and down 17 to three, you're thinking, okay, we're on offense here. Let's find something special. Let's do something. Oh, a couple of completions. And then, and then the pick six. And, and then at that point, 
everything changes. So the Rams just need something to go the opposite of that pick six. They need something like that to just spark this crowd because that crowd was ready, dude. They were they were ready to explode and go off. But after the pick six, it was like, I'm going to go home and beat traffic and watch an old rerun of Everybody Loves Raymond or something. <laughs> I love that show. <laughs> it's a, oh, it's so underrated. How, um, I get, what alarmed you more? The the offensive inconsistency or the fact that the defense didn't hold up and in the defenses, you know, in defense of the defense, they kind of got hung out to dry by the offenses, you know, especially with this air raid offense. If you're not sustaining drives, it's, you know, three plays a minute, five, you're out defense right back on the field. How many three and outs were in that first half? I mean, there were so many four in the first half and then one to open the third quarter and then the pick six, they had nine straight drives that ended either in turnover or punt between turnover downs, punts and, and the two picks, obviously. What I'm alarmed by was, and I hate to make these comparisons, but last year, the complaint with the Broncos, obviously their offense, there was no identity there. They wanted to run the ball, but Russell Wilson wanted to be in the shotgun. So they were running those delayed handoffs and running from the shotgun and all that. And so hearing Jay Norvell's press conference on, or was it Tuesday or whatever, Monday, maybe it was Labor Day. Monday, yeah. Um, was that they wanted to ease into the game, run the ball, hope that the defense can can make some stops and they can kind of ease into that. What what I'm worried about, okay, if you, if you say that that's what you want to do, just run the ball, then line up and run the ball. Like you don't have to be a football genius to know that a running back has a better chance to gain yards if they're running from I formation or single back or whatever, as opposed to getting the ball handed to him via side and running on shotgun. So I get that for the four air raid, the pass is supposed to set up the run. And in this case, they were trying to run the ball to set up the pass. Did nobody's falling for the fake handoff that Clay's faking and then looking downfield. Nobody's falling for that because they didn't establish anything. So what I'm alarmed by was, was the way the offense, um, I, I don't know if it's Jay Norvell, if it's a lack of confidence in Clay Millen, a lack of confidence in this, this new offensive line. But those were the things that really alarmed me and frustrated me was at least go down swing, at least show us some of that four air rate. If Clay throws a pick, he throws a pick. Um, but that's, I think the defense will be fine. Um, I don't know many offenses they're going to go up against like Washington States, but I was alarmed by the the play calling early on in that game. Yeah, it just felt very conservative. I mean, Saturday night, Jay mentioned that he felt they missed some opportunities to execute the offense. I mean, there were there was an overthrow to Lewis Brown on a comeback route. Uh, Dylan Goffney, that SMU transfer, dropped a screen that probably would have went for 15, 20. And those little things just add up. You know, it's it's going to be interesting to see if they can open it up. I wonder, and I, this isn't something I thought about Saturday night, but you just mentioning running out of the gun. I don't believe they did much running out of the pistol, which is something they did a lot at Nevada, which I think Part of that was kind of play, paying homage to Nevada's history. The the pistol alf- offense under Chris Alt there was like a big deal. So it's it was kind of a thing. But Matt Mummy had told me that they had found they had been able to run the ball better that way than they did out of, you know, like a traditional shotgun. Sure. And I mean, Clay has some experience in that. It's what they did with Carson Strong at Nevada. I, I do wonder if we see more of that at any point. 
And again, to make another comparison with the Broncos, that was the Peyton Manning thing, right? Uh, he wanted to be in the shotgun. Gary Kubiak wanted to run more of a traditional West Coast kind of offense. So they said, let's meet in the middle. Let's line up in the pistol. And that running back still has that running start. I know it sounds simple, but for me, it's like a running back getting a ball handed off to him when he's got three steps before he gets yeah, with the- momentum. You've got momentum. And I'm not saying shotgun runs don't work. We saw every Morrow do that last year, but it wasn't working in this situation. And I don't, I don't, they're not going to scrap this entire offense, but you're, you can do a lot of the four air raid stuff, I believe, from the pistol. So I'd be curious to see if they change things up a little bit there. Um, but again, if you do, all that being said, if you are able to run the ball effectively in that game from the shotgun, then it would have opened up the pass. So the offensive line, while they protected Clay, it, it wasn't the best runoff, uh, run off, run blocking in that situation. So I don't know. I'll be curious to see if they make some edits coming up against the Buffs. They certainly have some time to do it with a week two bye, which is the silliest thing in the world. <laughs> well, there is some reason for optimism as far as CSU running the ball better going into this one. Washington State's defensive line is the strength of their team. They've got a couple of guys that'll be in the all-conference mix, including in the interior. So I'm not yes. shocked. Yeah, it was kind of a long day for the Rams rushing the ball. CU gave up about seven yards a pop to TCU. Now, obviously, you know, Sanders coming over from Alabama, he was a stud. Trey Sanders and TCU really ran the ball well. But I will say as explosive as the Buffs looked offensively, and they they have a ton of speed, that's undeniable. Defensively, they look like a team that's in year one of the rebuild and is still kind of trying to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. How are they going to be in the trenches defensively? How are they going to be? Well, I'll be very curious to see how this CU Nebraska situation plays out. That's definitely interesting. Um, But that's also if you have electric players, especially at quarterback, you can cover up a lot of blemishes with those kind of guys. And I think that's what you saw. No one. Nobody's really hammering that CU has any weaknesses right now, but they do. They have weaknesses. But Travis Hunter and Shador. All four million receivers with over 100 yards, those things cover up a lot of issues um, that might get exposed throughout the course of the season. We'll see. But when you have those kind of playmakers, man, it makes it easy. But, you know, going back to CSU, though, that's another reason they got to get this offense going is just you have guys like Justice Ross Simmons who can, you know, 75 yards, one play. We've seen him do it multiple times. In oh, his yeah. Career. Tory Horton's a home run hitter. Dallin Holker clearly is can be a playmaker for the squad. Kobe Johnson, I mean, that 98-yard kickoff return, he could do that on a quick screen or a swing pass or a stretch run. I mean, he has that game-breaking type ability, but we just haven't seen enough of that from CSU. And, you know, outside of like wanting to change the culture, flip the mindset of this team, that's the other thing I think we desperately need to see is just the explosiveness, the the big plays that you're supposed to have with an air raid offense. Yeah, and you mentioned Dallin Holker. That touchdown he had was, I mean, that shows you, wow, this guy is going to be able to, if you can just get the ball in the vicinity uh, in the end zone, he might be a a red zone threat. Um, But then, of course, it comes back to the conversation I think all of us are having is about that quarterback position too. Do you have the right guy there? And we're going to find out. I don't think that, and now again, full disclosure, if people follow me, I'm I'm good with Clay. We do a show together. So, of course, I'm going to defend the guy, but I also have to be realistic. He wasn't very good. He acknowledges that. I also don't think the play calling helped him get going at all. I think young quarter, and he's still a young quarterback, they need to get into a rhythm. And even just my old basketball coach used to say at the end of basketball practice, do not end practice on a missed shot. Make a shot. See the ball go through the hoop. 
Sometimes completing a two-yard pass to Torrey Horton that doesn't really do much just shows you that you can complete a pass. And I wanted to see more of that early on. I don't know if Clay's the guy. I'm not. I don't know. I hope he is. But well, I don't think I anybody knows at this point. I I don't think you can definitively say. I mean, it was discouraging, no doubt. I do yeah. think the play calling was a factor. I do think there were some instances where Clay needed to let it rip. He didn't necessarily let the play develop. And I also understand that when you take the beating that he took last year, I understand every instinct in your being to be, I got to get rid of this football. And that makes sense. But that was a thing I talked about throughout the summer that I was really interested to see was what is the residual impact of that abuse that he took? And, you know, is he going to trust the O-line when the pass protection holds up? Because they didn't run the ball well. But it's not like, you know, pass pro was was awful all night. It was mm-hmm. kind of ironic that when he did try and stretch the field to Torrey Horton was one of the times he did get blasted. And I was like, of course, it plays out that way. But he's got to let it rip. Yeah. And honestly, before the pick six and then before he goes down and gets hurt, I felt like there was kind he was kind of getting into a little bit of a rhythm. He completes a quick one. I think they started out the gates with a quick one to Torrey Horton and Dallin Holker got involved right off the back. So I think we were all tweeting about that. Like those two guys had what, two catches between the two of them, something like that in the first half. So getting those guys involved, then the pick six happens injury or the he gets hurt, all that stuff. And it just the wind's completely taken out of the sails there. But he's got to make the throws, too. There were times where he missed guys. No question about it, even when the play calling was working for him. So it was a mix. Um, I think we did the poll question was like, who do you blame more, play calling or Clay? And I think it was right down the middle with Rams fans. Yeah, it's I don't know, man. It's funny. It's it's the blessing and the curse of being the quarterback, right? You you check down all night and people complain about that. Then you try and force one. He gets picked. And what are you doing there? And it's same deal with, you know, Fowler Nicolosi. He came in and let a rip, which was encouraging. It was nice to at least see the the playmakers get involved to understand like this is what it could like, you know, when you get it going. He also had one pick, which is a really bad decision. He had two or three more that I felt like could have been picked off as well. Right, yeah. So it's, you know, you kind of need that happy medium. It, I, somebody was, we've heard this before too, but the backup quarterback is always the most popular guy, right? Because Especially in it, Denver, it feels like. Oh my, as soon as the starter screw, and this goes back to the Tebow days, man. Poor Kyle Orton could throw a 40-yard touchdown pass beautifully. I don't think he did that very much, but he could do that. <laughs> and people are still like, you know, but it would have been cooler to see a four-yard pass from Tim Tebow. The backup quarterback is always the guy because as soon as the starter struggles a little bit, I guarantee you, Two weeks. If Shador Sanders starts to struggle in two weeks, not everybody, but there will be bus fans going, who's the backup? But I don't think they have a backup. But that's just the way it goes with quarterback play. A couple of weeks of bad play, and uh, it doesn't take long for a fan base to turn on you. Very fickle. It's the the toughest position in sports for a reason. All right, you know that we love our Breckenridge beers over at DNVR, and that's because Breck Brew just does it better than anybody around. They've been doing it for 33 years. It all comes down to their love and passion for making good beer made with 100% renewable energy. You got to love that. And you got to love the endless variety that they offer. They just, they have a little something for everyone. Avalanche Amber Ale, boom, a classic. Like, uh, you know, a great 70s or 80s rock song. It just, it never misses. If you want to, Mix it up, go with something a little bit more modern. They've got, you know, a great seltzer line, the Good Company Hard Seltzers, the Mountain Beach Sours are to die for, a peach wheat, you name it. Everything they do, it is fire. 
on top of that, the farmhouse in Littleton, a great spot to have a beer, to have a meal, to spend an NFL Sunday or college football Saturday. It really is awesome. Check out the Breck Beer Locator at breckbrew.com. Find a brew near you. If you're chilling out on the back porch, having an ice cold Breck Brew, you might need something to take on the sun and you're going to want to do it with gear that's built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company, but they offer a world-class product and it's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames, extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. And what's awesome is every single pair is backed by lost and broken replacements. So if you lose or break your pair, even day one, Shady Rays, they're just going to send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back. You can shop the entire collection at their brand new location in the Park Meadows Mall. Full stop shop for all things Shady Rays. If you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange for a new pair or return them free within 30 days. Again, no risk when you shop. They always have your back. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays giving out the best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com, use the code DNVR for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Finally, our next partner is AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it literally every day. And I, I just, I knew I needed to shake things up. You know, I wasn't feeling super healthy. Admittedly, my lifestyle, just being on the road a lot, eating a lot of, you know, cheap meals, it's, it's not great. I wanted better gut health. I wanted a better immune system. I think we've all been more conscious of that these last couple of years. I'm not a big pill and supplement guy. Like if I have to take 14 things, it's just not going to happen. And that's why I do AG1. I just take it in the morning, one scoop into 8 to 12 ounces of cold water, make it a part of my morning routine. It makes me feel uh, like a beast, honestly. Like I, I honestly feel less energetic when I stop taking it. If I go to do a workout, I feel like I'm less productive. It just... I don't know, it makes your entire body feel better. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1, get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to drinkag1.com rams. That's drinkag1.com rams. Check it out. Who would your uh, who would your player of the game be from CSU Washington State? Howell led the team in tackles with 16. Blackburn had 14 as well. I uh, had a couple tackles for loss. Justice Ross Simmons led the team in receiving yards, had the touchdown. Um, you could Kobe Johnson special teams. I mean, who, who yeah, would be so your guy? I, I might, can we give it for one play? Because that the kick return by Kobe was incredible. It's the most exciting like, play. Fumbled it and then the Washington State kick recover or uh, coverage team was like, Where's the ball? Somehow I don't know where it is. And he just takes off. I mean, that was the first time in the game where I actually was like, Oh, that was fun. So I'm, I would give it to him because I was entertained for those, you know, 12 seconds that it took him to get to the end zone. So I, I would go there. Probably not fair. fair, but it was fun. I don't know. I mean, it's the first kickoff return for a touchdown in four years at CSU. So it's not something that happens very often. And I think it was one of those moments that on a dark night, at least, you know, gave a little bit of hope or, you know, between him and, and Holker making those plays, you can see they did bring in some guys that can be a very positive addition to this team. Like these transfers are good. Yeah. I actually predicted that Holker would be my player of the week. (laughs) I was like, I think he's going to tear up. The, this uh, middle part of this defense they, that's a, that's they an area they need to attack of, more frequently yeah and they were placing a lot of guys in the secondary so i thought that might be a weakness um so i was really my eyes were all in on on holker and 
And I, I was hoping that he would be able to get involved early on, but that's who I thought was going to just tear it up in this game. Cause I figured, okay, they're going to be paying attention to Horton and Holker's going to get going in the middle of the field. I, that's what I desperately want to see. Cause I think if you get him going in the middle, everything's going to open up for this offense. I mean, that's why I voted him preseason all conference. We'd never seen him officially in a Rams uniform, but he was really impactful for BYU. And going back to the spring, you could just see like this guy's the real deal. It's going to translate. Yeah, I I think he's going to end up having a pretty good season. Again, if, if the quarterback, whoever that is, can get him the football, that's going to be the big question. I don't want to focus too much on CU Nebraska. They get plenty of coverage on this here network. But um, what what stood out the most to you, I guess, about this start to the year for CU, the big win over TCU? All the talk that was backed up at least for one week. I mean, that was the negative everyone talked about was prime time. He's in the, you know, he's all about himself and all that, which I don't believe that necessarily. Um, I think deep down there's, there's a, I think there's a lot of layers to prime time, but I was just impressed that everything that he was saying came, came true on that Saturday against TCU, at least with these playmakers. The thing that impressed me the most, obviously Travis Hunter, that's an anomaly. It's crazy. But Shador, I mean, he looked the part. Shador Sanders looked the part. He t- he talks the part. Um, he's he's a very well-rounded guy. That was probably what stood out the most. The shocker was the the rook, the running back. I mean, Dylan Edwards. Dylan Edwards was yeah, he's insane. He was the playmaking. I mean, I know Hunter and Shador are gonna get most of the talk, but his playmaking ability, my goodness, he was something else. So I don't know, probably Shador's patience and and he wasn't looking to throw i mean or to run he was he can that guy can take off any day of the week but he is really trying to stay in that pocket and uh complete passes downfield so that stood out the most to me was the quarterback play for the buffs they so desperately needed that for so many years i'm right there with you i mean i I knew travis hunter was the real deal i did not think it was humanly possible to play 140 snaps as impactfully on both sides the way he did so i'll i'll take that loss i still don't I guess I should I shouldn't say I know because I don't, but I question whether someone could do that every single game and whether it would even be smart to. That feels reckless to me. But the fact that he can do it, just insane. But like you said, Shadur, I mean, I watch a lot of college football. He looked as polished as a passer as as anybody that I've seen so far this season. I mean, obviously Caleb Williams is the guy, but that was significant. And that's I, you know, I, I probably underestimated him to an extent. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a feeling he would be fine. Like I wasn't one of those guys that said CU was going to be terrible, but I also wasn't one of those guys that said CU is going to win every single game. I was probably somewhere in the middle. They're maybe a five win team. And I thought Shador would be fine. The question marks were going to be on the offensive line, the defensive line and how much meat is there, how much depth is really there on this team. Um, but he was really good. And to the point where, yeah, Caleb Williams is there, but you're going to at least throw those names around Travis Hunter and, and Shador Sanders when you're talking about the Heisman, at least for one week. Um, so that was, it was, the stars really shined for this team. And uh, we'll see if that is going to be enough to to get them a lot of wins this season. Well, CU beats Nebraska. I have on pretty good authority that game day will be in Boulder for the Rocky Mountain Showdown. So, uh a big stage for CSU, you know, an opportunity to potentially shock the world, I guess. I mean, the bigger they are, the harder they fall, right? 
Justin, when I was on your your podcast a couple of weeks ago, we talked about my my poll question that made all the Rams fans mad. CU beats Nebraska. If CSU somehow, some way is the one to dethrone them week three, they're the talk of the town. They are the talk of the country, at least for a day. I mean, it'll probably fizzle because it's CSU, but they would be the ones. They would be little brother or whatever that comes in there and knocks off this the most talked about team. So honestly, my little poll question thing is setting up <laughs> to be historic now. Will it actually? There's going to be an opportunity um, for Colorado State, and it might set up beautifully for them. CU beats Nebraska, and somehow, some way, CSU pulls off an upset. What do you think a spread's going to be on that game? Let's assume CU beats Nebraska. I, th- I think it depends on how handily they beat Nebraska, but right now it'd probably be CU by nine and a half, ten and a half. I could see that. Yeah. And imagine, I'd, yeah, imagine CSU pulls that off. I mean, that would be there's your changer, you know, there's your culture. No, yeah. I mean, absolutely. The stage is set. It's one of the things that I talked about coming into the season. It, it was a little easier to talk yourself into it before you had, you know, seen the week one performance. But I just mentioned that the stage is set. You play a couple of power five teams at the beginning of the year, including, you know, one of your biggest rivals in CU. It's a nationally televised game. You've got Boise on homecoming. That'll be a nationally televised game as well. Probably close to, if not a sellout crowd, like Wyoming, Air Force, they're really, really good teams. But you wonder offensively, like if CSU gets it going, would those teams be able to to keep up with the pace of a CSU offense if it was rolling like what we had seen at Nevada? I mean, it's all there. The stage is there if you were able to have some success for this to be one of those years that that really sticks out in, in Rams history. But the, the last 10 years, it, it it's just hard to feel like it's going to go our way. At the beginning, you know, in the offseason, I said, oh, CSU is going to, I already said it. I said, CSU is going to beat CU this year. They're going to do it. It's because all the things that we thought we knew <laughs> a week ago, like, oh, CSU has got a better offensive line. Clay's going to be good. Four Air Raid's going to be, that's going to finally take hold. And we don't know anything about CU other than they got some big names and some guys that played at a lower level. But now... Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> now they got the Heisman winner. They're the best team in the country. And, you know, Dion this. And hey, I get it. They enjoy the moment. It was an epic win. And I mean, frankly, like you said, he, he did what what he said he would. I, I do think it's funny. There'll be a lot of overreactions. A lot of people that say, this is the way you build a program now for everyone. Like you just cut the entire roster. You bring in a whole new team and it's just going to work right off the bat. Well, we saw with CSU last year, it doesn't always play out that way. And frankly, I think people are just, you're overlooking the fact that not every coach that's going to come into a new program has a son that's, you know, a top five quarterback in the country. He's not bringing a five-star generational talent with him that has a unique relationship with that coach and he plays both ways. And nobody other than Deion Sanders was going to be able to flip Dylan Edwards, who was originally committed to Notre Dame, to CU coming off of a 1-11 season. Yeah, there's just not going to be many guys like that. We we talked about this on the show. I mean, do you do you see teams starting to maybe they they go and try to hire a former player that was really popular, a Peyton Manning type guy or whatever, if they were even interested? I, I still don't know. I mean, even the most popular would you would you say like Tom Brady's the most popular football player in history? I don't know who that is. Could they come in and do what primetime has done? I there's I think he's the only one like that. So 
I don't think it's going to be, hey, this is how it's done now. Because I think he's the only guy that can do it that way. I think Saban's going to do it his way. And you know, he he grew into being a, a phenomenal head coach. Um, so I don't, I just, there's just not going to be an easy way to get to how, uh, how the buffs did it with prime time. So you're going to have to figure something else out. I do think you'll see some cheap imitations though, of people try, oh. I mean, CU's, you know, they went the former player route with Embry back in the day, who was kind of supposed to be, you know, like the rah, rah guy and him and Bienemy. you know, they were supposed to be the, the former players that came in and saved the day. And we've seen it with a lot of schools. So I'm not trying to single them out. It no. usually doesn't work. I mean, Small scale, but UNC tried that. I mean, they yeah. went with they went with a big name um, in the state of Great Colorado, point. at least, yeah. with, with Ed McCaffrey. And they said, okay, he's had zero um, college football coaching experience. He was a, he only coached high school for two seasons at a team at a school that wins champion. You and I could coach, and they win championships. <laughs> won a lot, so they hire him based on that. And the idea was that you'd be so popular. Fans would come and recruits would want to come and all that stuff, but it didn't work. So you you you, you can be popular and all that, and that's what I love about prime time is there's there's the prime time, there is the celebrity, and I know he hates that, but there's a lot of depth and there's a lot of meat there to what he's all about too. So that it's hard to find that combination. Well, and I mean institutional support is a big key there too, and and just general support for the athletic program in terms of the dollars coming in, like that's. It's going to be hard to win at Greeley with the lack of investment when you're playing Montana and and you know the Big Sky teams who essentially are investing on an SEC level at the FCS scale. Yeah, I mean, and it did. You know, it's interesting though with the McCaffrey thing. It kind of you know it kind of there was a positive there because I think it was a lot of McCaffrey's people that helped with their turf field. They got a new turf field, and that was partly because of McCaffrey being there. They were talking about getting the lights up and all that stuff so they could play night games. Um, that doesn't really happen if McCaffrey's not there at all. So he did come in with some positives for sure, but you're you're 100% right. School like UNC, you got to either you got to either go with an Ed Lamb who is more of a steady Eddie and he's just going to recruit locally and see what happens or you got to go with a superstar and see if you can attract some people and some and some money. But that's hard to do, too. We saw it. It didn't work. Brady, I appreciate you so much for hopping on, chatting it up with me, especially on the bye week. Before I let you go here, uh, Broncos, Raiders, you got a prediction? I've been saying it all week, so it'll be wrong. But I'm saying there's zero chance the Broncos lose this game. I think what is the spread now? Is it three and a half? Is it four? And a, I don't I think it's four. Last time four. I checked. Yeah, I think I think I think the, the Raiders are a dumpster fire. And I think the Broncos, I don't know how good they'll be, but they're going to be better than the Raiders. So I'm taking the Broncos all day. It feels impossible to be worse than they were, but I don't this team never ceases to surprise me in the, the post Manning era. No, and that's the thing. I'll get my hopes up, and who knows what'll happen, man. I, I just hope this Russ Payton thing works out. It's one of the more intriguing storylines in the NFL, and uh, we're about to find out if if Russ can be fixed by Sean Payton. I just feel like the little kid in Angels in the Outfield when he's like, "Hey, it could happen." <laughs> I know. A dub. I mean, take us back to June when the Nuggets were winning champion a championship. Now we're back in football mode. It's like. Are we going to have some some positives here? I know the Buffs are doing their thing, but there we've we've seen a lot of losing between all these teams. We're and a basketball I'm, I'm state now, Brady. Hey, we are a basketball state, no question about it, man. Hey, but 
On the on the flip side, the Rockies are about to lose a hundred, so I'm kind of rooting for that at this stage. You know, Ch- shake it up a little bit. They are getting what they deserve. I'll yeah. just say that. I hope the the hundred hits because maybe that three those three digits might trigger something. I don't know. That's I'm kind of just rooting for that. Why not? They need twelve more losses. It's not impossible. Oh, we got yeah, it's it's gonna happen. It'll absolutely happen. Yes. So we can root uh, for that. Awesome, man. Tune in to my guy, Brady. He talks all things Colorado sports, college pros. He does it all. Best in the business and obviously a great friend of the program. Much love, man. Justin, appreciate you, my friend. And uh, we'll we'll catch up with you soon. Let's get you on the show next uh, next Friday. Let's preview some Rocky Mountain Showdown. You got it, dude. Anytime. Always looking forward to it. Shout out to all the CSU fans. Thank you for supporting the content. Much love, y'all. Proud to be. Peace. Probably never make it when you listening to that right now. I said we on that.